Where did this come from? All right. Well, that out of whole Santa's workshop for uh, a little longer. A couple screws, some duct tape. She ought to be fine till we close anyway. Uh, say, Mark, uh, since it's Christmas Eve and everything, I was wondering if I could just leave all this stuff up till tomorrow night. Uh, I got a Christmas party got to be at about 6.30. That's fine, Zeke. Hey, uh, do you know who set up this nativity scene? No, can't say that I do. Hmm, well, it wasn't here this morning. Hmm. Well, don't, don't worry about it. I can put all that away when I take this all down tomorrow. Uh, that's not the point, Zeke. Uh, we got a memo from corporate that said, well, they were expressly prohibiting us to have any religious paraphernalia in the mall this year. Hmm. Well... This don't look like no uh, pair of ferns galia to me. Uh, just looks like a plain old nativity. I think that's exactly what they meant, Zeke. Uh, but not that I'm opposed to it personally. It's Well, the rules are the rules. Hmm. Well, if it's religion these fellas are having a problem with, I don't see how this is a harm no one. They ain't even got no baby Jesus in it. What? Doesn't have any baby Jesus in it. Without him, this ain't much different than my Uncle Clem's cattle farm. <laughs> Except, of course, them fellers dressed up like ladies, that is. I, I guess you're right there, Zeke. Um, but who would set up a nativity scene and leave out the baby? Who knows, Mark? The world is full of odd ducks. That's why you got to stay on your toes. Mm-hmm. Hey, how you doing, Tommy? Last big night before you head back to the North Pole, huh? Oh, man, it's 6 o'clock. My job here is done. Yeah. Actually, pardon me, wishes I was going to the North Pole. Probably warmer there than it is at my house. Oh, your wife did come back then. Uh, no, uh, just pinching pennies. This job here doesn't pay nearly as much as the one I lost. Oh, that's a shame. Well, I'm not the only one these days who's been laid off. No, I meant about your wife, Karen. You said she was trying to get a hold of you to apologize and all. I thought maybe you two were trying to patch things up. Uh, it is Christmas Eve and all. You know, the time of year when miracles happen. Miracles? <laughs> Yeah, let's see about that, trustee. Um, let's see. I, I bust my butt working at a job, working long hours, and they thank me by laying me off. Uh, meanwhile, my wife gets tired of me working such late hours, and so she starts flirting with some guy she meets on Facebook. Then the day I get canned, I come home and meet Mr. Facebook nose-to-nose with my wife in my kitchen. I go crazy, punch this guy in the face. Cops come. I end up losing most of my friends, except for Mark, who gives me a job here, listening to spoiled kids complain about toys they don't deserve. That sounds pretty miraculous to me. Well, have you talked to Karen at all? Why should I? Well, let's say you did. What would you tell her? That I'm beyond angry? That she betrayed me? Uh, that she, she cut me in a place that'll never heal? I mean, I mean, I was doing the best I could for us, and she spit all over it. I mean, I'll never trust her. Never! How could I? 
I mean, every time she'd turn on a computer, I'd wonder if she's on Facebook again, and that, that knife would just twist in my gut all over again. Well, now, don't you think she'd rather hear that than silence? I really don't care what she'd like to hear. So you're stuck then, both of you. That's the way it usually happens. One person refuses to forgive and mires down the whole crew. Didn't you just hear what I just said, Trusty? I mean, even if somehow I could get over it. I mean, why should I? She doesn't deserve it. Not after how well I treated her and what she did to me. Isn't that the whole point? None of us deserves to be forgiven. But we were. It's Christmas in a nutshell. Well, thanks for the platitudes, Trusty, but they, they really don't help. I mean, they sound nice and everything, but in reality, I mean, it's just too hard. There's too many walls up between us already. Well, I don't recollect reading any guarantee it was going to be easy. Tommy, maybe you're right. Maybe you and Karen can't be fixed. But I sure hope if you bump into her sometime, you get everything out, everything that needs to be said, even if it's hard. Hey, pal. You're ready for one last go-round at Santa's Village? Giddy up. Well, uh, you know, I know this last month hasn't been easy, but it's been nice having you around, and I just wish there was more I could do. Oh, Mark, you have been a great friend, and I'm sorry for not being more appreciative. I just haven't been myself these days. You know that more than anybody. It's all right. It's all right, pal. Hey, at the uh, risk of beating a dead reindeer... Uh, why don't you uh, come to the Christmas Eve service with us tonight? Debbie and I, we'd love to have you. I've, they're going to have great music and food, and I've even heard Pastor Dan's going to have a really short message tonight. Come on, it'll be great. Jeez, what is it with this place? I mean, between you and the janitor, I feel like I'm on an episode of Dr. Phil. So you'll come then? How could I go back to that church? Well, Tommy, you're an elder. How could you not? Correction was an elder there? Tommy, that was your choice. You know, I would love to see you there. Debbie would love to see you there. There's a whole list of people. They love you, and they would be thrilled if you would come back. I mean, think about it, would you? I don't know. I... Well, if, if you change your mind, let me know. I'll be here till closing, just like you. And, uh, hey, oh, I forgot. Uh, did you happen to see anyone set up a nativity scene... Uh, over by Santa's Village? No. Huh. Well, somebody did. And the strange thing is, there's no baby Jesus. Weird, huh? <laughs> somebody probably stole it as a joke. You could be right. Well, uh, would you keep out an ear for it? I mean, if you happen to hear anything, let me know. I'd like to know who to get the stuff back to after the holidays. Sure thing. All right. Thanks. See you later. See you, man. Hey, Tommy, here you go. I saved you the paper. I know how you like to do the crosswords and help you forget your troubles and all. Yeah, like that first day we met and I was uh, 
scribbling all those nasty things about Karen in the squares. Yeah, I kind of caught on to that, yeah. Hey, uh, look, Trusty, I'm sorry for being sharp with you there a bit ago. I mean, I didn't mean to imply that you don't know about life being hard, too. I mean, after all, you're the one who spent time in jail just because you spray-painted Trust Jesus on some of those highway overpasses. Oh, a long time ago. I wasn't near as smart as I am now. Well, I hope you didn't take offense. Nope. Good. Oh, hey, uh, Trusty, um, did you happen to notice a nativity over by Santa's village? Yep. Well, do you know who put it there? Yep. Well, who? I did. You did? Yeah, I call it a throwback to my youthful, rebellious spirit, but I had to put a thumb in the eye of those corporate silly rules. Well, maybe I should tell you that someone stole your baby Jesus. Come again? Yeah, baby Jesus, someone took him, he's missing. Strange world, huh? I'm actually surprised anybody knew he was missing. Least of all you. Why me? Tommy, this whole Christmas you've been missing him. Fact is, you've been doing a good job just trying to get along without him. So why is he necessary? As far as you're concerned, it's okay if he's missing. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you'd like to see Santa one last time before the mall closes... Please join us at Santa's Village, located in the center court. Santa should be there right now and will be available until the mall closes at 6 p.m. That's Santa at Santa's Village, appearing right now until the mall closes. And once again, we thank you for sharing your holiday shopping season with us here at the Great Oaks Mall. Hey, looks like I'm late. Uh, Can't keep the wishes of those little boys and girls waiting, huh? And for one little girl, he has no idea how big her wish will be. For the last couple of weeks, we've talked about this whole thing of forgiveness. The need for forgiveness, what forgiveness is all about. We said that a couple of weeks ago that forgiveness is kind of like this. At Christmas, God gave us what we deserve the least but needed the most. And that is the gift of forgiveness. We've talked about that and unwrapped that gift for the last couple of weeks as we've looked at this whole thing that so often bogs us down. The thing that we've talked about more than anything, though, is this, is that not only did God give us a gift, but he wants us to give other persons a gift as well, other people. It says Christians are to forgive just as Christ forgave us, as God forgave us through his son, Jesus Christ. We're to forgive other people. We've talked about what that means. We, we looked at, for the last couple of weeks, what Scripture says to us. First of all, how God forgives us. And then we talked last week about how we are to use that same process in forgiving others. That we're to forgive others graciously, willingly, and freely. It shouldn't, and we should offer people, even though they don't deserve it, the gift of forgiveness. Now, the, the real thing that I got stuck on during this whole series is not the lack of information on forgiveness, but how to focus for three Sundays in just a brief period of time what to talk about, because there's so much in Scripture to talk about forgiveness. Uh, matter of fact, this week, on, in your outline, it's in the bulletin, just ignore it totally, uh, because 
Um, as, you know, as I was going through the week, I, I realized that, hey, I need to focus on something else today as we conclude this series. And in a few moments, we'll have our, our drama actors back to uh, conclude this whole series as well. But uh, as I look at the scripture, in your bulletin, you can take it home. It's kind of like homework. If you want to know how to deal with the unrepentant, there's a whole scripture that you can look at. I gave you three fill-in-the-blanks. You can fill them in yourselves. I challenge you to do that. And if you can't figure it out, email me and I'll give you the answers, okay? But I think it's, so, it's, like it's very obvious uh, in scripture uh, what are you going to do that. This morning, though, I want just for a few moments here to talk about a passage of scripture that probably is the most uh, con- concentrated teaching on reconciliation and forgiveness in all of Scripture. It comes in Matthew 18. So if you have your Bibles this morning with you, you might want to turn to Matthew 18. Uh, and in Matthew 18, it begins the chapter. We'll go back to it at the end of the day. But it talks about this whole thing of who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. It talks about the relationships we have. And then at verse, uh, and, and toward the end of, or the middle of chapter 18, uh, Peter asks an interesting question. He questions the limits of forgiveness. He, he asks this question of Jesus. He says, Jesus... How often, verse 21, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And Peter, being very righteous and very upright, he says, not just one time, but should we forgive him seven times? Because seven was considered a number of perfection. It's, it's, that's being more generous than what we usually are, Jesus. But then Jesus surprised him because he answers in verse 22. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times 7 or 77 times, it's not really about a number. It's about, he's saying, it's unlimited how often we forgive someone else. Because once again, if we forgive others as Christ, as God in Christ forgave us, we forgive not because they deserve the forgiveness, but because we as Christians are to live in light of forgiveness. We're to live a life of forgiveness toward others. That's to be our attitude, our, the, the way that we respond to people. And I'm sure that Peter, when Jesus uh, was talking about this, had in mind some terrible offense that someone had done to him. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure he was thinking in his mind, well, Jesus, that is great that we're to forgive that many times, but what about the really, really bad offenses that people do to us? Isn't there some limit to that forgiveness? Isn't there some times when we just don't forgive? And Jesus was anticipating that, and he told a parable following that. And so this morning, if you have your scriptures, turn to this, this parable, the parable of the unforgiving servant in uh, Matthew chapter 18. begins with verse 23. I want to read it quickly, and I just want to make a few comments this morning, and I want to tie a couple of things together. And you can go back and read this yourself. But chapter 18 is a great chapter to read on this whole thing of reconciliation and forgiveness. It says this, Jesus says, after, he t- after the question is asked, how many times should I forgive? Jesus says, you know, 70 times 7, I should forgive as much as need be. Then he says this, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So he began the settlement. And so as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, that doesn't say anything to us, but one writer has said that is equivalent to what uh, uh, the equivalent of 193,000 years worth of wages. Now, that's a lot, that's a lot of money. <laughs> billions of dollars in our, our world. It would have been millions of dollars back then. He's, he says, this, this man owed this king 10,000 talents, this, this huge amount of money, and he, this man was brought to him. And in verse 25 it says, since he was not able to pay, obviously... I don't know how he got, how do you get that much debt? 
Of course, this is a story. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Verse 26, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. This incredible debt, this debt that was unpayable, this debt that was beyond belief, it was beyond comprehension, even in our world today, this debt that no one could ever pay back, not even Bill Gates. This kind of debt is something that this king says to him. He says, I will forgive you of this debt. This guy got something that he didn't deserve, something that was beyond belief, something that was beyond anything that you and I could ever possibly owe anyone else. Verse 28, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That, that amount is just maybe a month or two's wages, just a small amount of money compared to the huge amount of money he had just been forgiven of. The same man who had just been forgiven of this huge debt that was impossible to ever pay back, he goes out and he finds a fellow, a fellow, a fellow servant who owes him just a small amount of money. He grabs him and it says he begins to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master, the king, said to call the servant in, the first servant in. He said, You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers from your heart. Now, this is a harsh, harsh truth here, but it's a truth. It's in, it's in God's word. The thing that we've talked about for the several, several weeks is this, is that at Christmas, God gave us what we deserve the least, but needed the most, forgiveness. All of us are like the first servant. All of us are, in a sense, in, in, in a place in our lives where we, if the very thoughts, God knows what we think. So constantly, we're constantly, you know, saying, or doing things to God that, 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 are, that is opposed to God. Don't tell me you don't think thoughts every day that are somewhat opposed to God. Not even our, even our actions are opposed. We all have this problem in our life, this, this inability, this inability to pay the debt that we owe God, to be holy, to be perfect, so that we can have a relationship with God. But, but God at Christmas, through his son Jesus Christ, came, the child died, a child came, he lived, he died upon a cross, and he gave, gives to us a, a gift that we don't deserve, just like this king did. You see, once you see this story, I, begin, I think you begin to understand the point of it. The point of this, of this story, of this parable is this. There's this monstrous inconsistency between being forgiven zillions. I don't know if that's a real... Zillions a real word? I don't know. Zillions and refusing to forgive peanuts. There's this huge inconsistency in our life. When we say to someone else, I cannot... As a Christian, we say to someone else, I cannot forgive you or I will not forgive you. What we're doing in a real sense is we're saying, I will not offer to you what God offered to me. And what God has offered to us is beyond anything anybody in this world could ever 
do to us, no matter how bad it is. He would not do what, G, uh, what God says to us in, in Matthew seven twelve to say he does not follow the golden rule. He wouldn't do the things that needed to be done. He was, he was hypocritical in accepting mercy himself, this first servant, but not giving it to someone else. Now keep the context of this parable in mind. When Peter is asking Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Jesus responds that we are to forgive as often as need be. We're to live in an attitude of forgiveness towards other people, not because they deserve it, but simply that is how we're to respond to another person. And then we talked about this uh, the last several weeks. Jesus understood that, some, that, some, that the disciples might think that that's unreasonable. I, I know that there's things that all of us have had done to us, some of us worse things than others, that we think is unreasonable to ever consider forgiving. But we have to ask, in light of this parable, what is Jesus teaching? You see, the Christian who will not forgive is kind of like the guy who would not forgive a, a, a small debt when he had already been forgiven a much larger debt. It goes without saying that, that people do horrible things to each other. Yes, we do. But in light of what God has done for us, God says, this is how we're to respond. Now, some people will say, well, what should be said to the person who will not or cannot forgive? Now, we have to ask ourselves that question. And that's not a theoretical question. Uh, the Gallup poll in 1988 asked this question of people about forgiveness. They said 94% of respondents indicated that it is important to forgive. But only 48% said that they would make it a practice to forgive. So there's a 46% gap between people who say, the 94% the 90, uh, who say that it's important to forgive, and actually people who actually live and, and, and respond to forgiveness and actually do forgiveness. At, the point, at this point, we need to ask ourselves, based on that, based on the parable we just read, what Jesus has taught us, based on what we've read the last several weeks, and I'm not going through this quickly this morning, uh, we need to look at this parable in dead earnest because Jesus said at the end of the parable, he said, if you will not forgive, he said to this person, this person who would not forgive his fellow brother and who owed him a small amount, he told him, he said, what was, what was the response of the, of the, of the king? He said, I will send you to jail to be tortured until you can repay the debt. And let me ask you a question. How big was the debt? More than he ever could repay. More than he ever could repay. We owe God a debt that we cannot earn and we cannot repay ourselves. He has given us that. And when we understand that, it changes our perspective on life. We've looked at these verses the last couple of weeks. Uh, Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Or in Matthew 7, Judge not that you, not, you, you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured against you. Now, Some of you look at this and say, Well, does that mean that Jesus will say that we have to earn our salvation by forgiving people? No, that's not what he's saying. The question is clearly no, that's not what he's saying. Jesus was not teaching that we must forgive others to earn salvation. Rather, he was teaching that people who have genuinely received grace from God are characterized by a willingness to give grace to others. It's kind of like this. 
You was wondering why I brought this apple in here, didn't you? I just was just hungry. That's all it was. You know, I can hold this apple in my hand. I can bear this apple. I had a discussion backstage with my son. He said bearing apples means producing fruit. But in a real sense, bearing also means holding it, okay? I can bear this apple in my hand. I can hold this apple. By having an apple in my hand, you know, I, I'm, I'm just holding an apple. Apple trees bear apples, right? They hold apples. They, they actually produce them. But just because I hold this apple in my hand, does it mean that I'm an apple tree? No. You know, that's, it's a characteristic of an apple tree, though, to bear apples. Christians are people who just forgive. It does not mean that you're a Christian just because you forgive. In the same way, you know, some of you, I thought we'd do this this morning, but I don't think any of you will play along because y'all are way too mature. Um, you, know, uh, you know, some of you here, any of you here duck hunters? Any of you here duck hunters? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, there's a couple. Okay, duck hunters. Okay. Duck hunters. You know, one of the things I understand duck hunters do to draw the drug ducks in is they learn how to use these duck things to, I don't, I don't duck things. You see, I'm a duck hunter. To make duck sounds, to sound like a duck. You know, I watched it on TV on, on, you know, TV before, so I saw some of this. You can make good quacking sounds. All of us can make impressions of ducks this morning. You know, you could go quack, quack, you know, quack or whatever. You can do that kind of deal. You can make the greatest impression of a duck in the world. But if you go and stand before a mirror this morning, will you be a duck when you stand before a mirror? No. You could qu- I mean, you could practice and practice. I mean, duck hunters, I guess you practice, I don't know. You can be, make the best duck sounds, even fool ducks. But it doesn't make you a duck. Does it? You see... If you see a creature out there that, that doesn't, won't quack, it's probably not a duck. And if you see a, but so just because you make a sound like a duck doesn't make you a duck. In the same way, forgiving will not make you a Christian. If you're not already a Christian, you might forgive the most awful, terrible, horrible thing there is out there, but it doesn't get you one step closer to God. We've talked about this the last several weeks. However, what Scripture is telling us here is this. If someone is a genuine Christian, he or she will be both willing and able to forgive others. Both willing and able to forgive others. Stephen Artenburn, who's written 60-plus books, who's a Christian psychologist, who has... Uh, developed uh, uh, seminars, women of faith. Some of you may have been to those before. Women probably have been, not guys. But uh, you've probably been to those. He developed, actually a guy developed women of, women of faith conferences. But he had this book, one of his books is called Healing is a Choice. And in that book, I, I just want to quote something he says here as he talks about this whole thing, the choice of forgiveness. This is a tough quote, but it's, I think it's scriptural and it's biblical and it's based upon what we've already studied. He says this, quote, I quote from Stephen Artenberg, The only reason you would not forgive someone of his or her sins is that you would not fully grasp what God has done for you or the sins he has freed you from. If you don't believe you are a sinner in need of forgiveness, then you won't forgive others. If you are grateful that God has forgiven you through Christ, then you will naturally extend to others what has been extended to you. So a lack of forgiveness could be an indication 
that you have not accepted Christ's sacrifice is the key to your own forgiveness. If you're holding a grudge, I have to ask if you truly believe and trust in Christ. Now, that's not easy. But see, God says that those who are Christians, who understand the depth of what God has done for them, those who have called themselves, not, it doesn't make it easy. I want to tell you, folks, I'm not saying this is easy, but he's, they, God says this in his word, in this parable, and in other teachings here as well. That those who call themselves Christian, who have, have appropriated God's forgiveness and understand that depth and have really lived, lived out of that, even in the tough times, have a willingness and a desire to offer forgiveness to someone else. Let's watch some more of the sketch this morning. Okay, Caden, since you've been such a good boy this year, Santa will do the best he can. Now, you go home and get a good night's sleep and Merry Christmas. Thanks, Santa. You bet. And who is this handsome young man I see here? Did you forget already, Santa? I'm Cameron from Screen Hills. I was here three days ago, remember? Oh, of course, of course. What brings you back here to see me tonight? I have some few last additions to my Christmas list. Oh, some additions. What, Santa, take a look at that. Uh, what do we got here? Whoa! <laughs> okay, well, I'll see what I can do. All right. uh, Attention shoppers. We'd like to inform you that the mall is now closing and will be closed all day tomorrow for Christmas. But we also want to remind you that we'll be opening at 8 a.m. on December 26th with a whole mall full of door-busting post-holiday sales. We hope to see you then. And as always, we thank you for shopping with us here at the Great Oaks Mall. Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, pal, you made it. <laughs> Barely. Why couldn't you have made that announcement an hour ago? My back feels like it's been trampled on by a team of reindeer. <laughs> Not that this suit helps it any. You might uh, want to have this thing fumigated before you put it away. Hot in there, isn't it? This is one Santa that can't wait to go ho, ho, home. Well, that's partly what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, did you think about what I asked you earlier, you know, the Christmas Eve service? I mean, well, if you want, you got time to run home and take a quick shower. I appreciate your asking, Mark, but you know, I just don't think I'm up to it. Not tonight. I mean, I just want to go home, put a pizza in the oven, and do what I do every night. What's that? Shoot pictures of Karen with an airsoft gun. <laughs> well, why don't you give me a call tomorrow? I mean... After lunch, we'll be just hanging around watching Matt and Lisa play with their toys. And You know, Tommy, I, I really appreciate all you've done, and you did a great job with the kids. I mean, and you know, if you're looking for some extra money next year... Oh, hey, hey, I'm planning on making some big New Year's resolutions this year, and the top of the list is to never wear this costume again. Fair enough. Hey, say Merry Christmas to Debbie and the kids for me, would you? All right. Well, give us a call if you change your mind. Hey, you go home. Enjoy your family.
Yeah, it gets kind of quiet and lonely here after closing, doesn't it? Uh, trusty, uh, I, was, uh, I was just kind of noticing that. Yeah, it's surprising at first, but you get used to it over the years. How have you learned to deal with it? The loneliness, I mean. Well, Tommy, there's a lot of loneliness in this world. A lot of different kinds. <coughs> kind where somebody leaves you, that's the hard one. Then there's a type that we bring on ourselves because we choose it. My loneliness is the latter. Yeah, and mine's the former. I see what you're saying. No. Tommy, yours is actually the hardest kind of all. You're loneliness, so you got both. What do you mean? Well, if I have to explain it, it's probably not worth going over. Listen, I know you're leaving. Uh, I don't want to get all nostalgic, but I wanted to get you something before you left. Just so you might not forget us all. Oh, trusty, I promise you, I am never going to forget this place. I especially am never going to forget you. Well... Good, then that'll be perfect. Go ahead, open it. Huh? Yeah. Baby Jesus. <laughs> it's really thoughtful, trusty, but you shouldn't have. I mean, this is part of your nativity. I mean, be ashamed to break up your set. And don't you think, you know, he looks better right over... Right over here. There you go. See, baby Jesus, right where he belongs. That's the last place I want him to stay. Him too. You see, Tommy, people want to keep him right there on his cradle of hay with the animals around. They prefer it that way. He's safe that way. Jesus is easy if we never let him out of the manger. That was never the plan. Tommy, you know that up here. You've forgotten it right here. Jesus didn't come to the earth for packages and parties and Christmas cheer. He came for one reason. He came to forgive. To forgive you. And to forgive me. And yes, to forgive Karen, too. Now I've heard you talking about how hard it is to forgive and how hard it is to get rid of that hate. Think about how hard it was for him. Think about what it cost him. Now, who are we to be holding on to all this hatred? Tommy, you've been holding on to something you got no claim to. Why don't you try holding on to him for a change? Merry Christmas, Tommy. Oh, I'm sorry, little girl, but uh, Santa's Village, Santa's Village is closed for the night. Oh, please, I've got to see him. Please just let me in for a minute. Well, 
Uh, pardon me, Santa, but there's one last little girl that really needs to see you. Uh, I'll leave you two alone. I've got other places I need to clean up before tonight's over. Karen. Tommy, please just give me a minute. What are you doing here? There, Tommy, there's so much I want to say to you. Please just listen to me. And if after that you still want to leave, then I guess there's nothing I can do about it. But for now, just listen. Honey, I am so, so sorry. I love you more than anything, and, and I can't imagine all the hurt that I've caused you. I wish I could rewind the clock and undo that stupid mistake I made, but I can't. I know you're probably harboring all sorts of hatred toward me, and I can't imagine what it would cost you to forgive me. What did you just say? I said I can't imagine what it would cost you to forgive me. But you're the love of my life, and, and I'm here to just ask you to give me a second chance. Give us a second chance. Tommy, don't you think you might be able to forgive me? can try. You know, I, I haven't been there for weeks, but I hear the church is supposed to be doing a really nice Christmas Eve service. Hey, Tommy, I forgot uh, to tell you. Karen, I didn't expect to see you here tonight. I mean, I mean I, I'm glad you're here. Uh, what brought you here? <laughs> well, uh, Tommy sent me an email. He told me to meet him here after closing. What email? I never sent any email. In my Hotmail account. I got it a couple of days ago. Trusty. Who? Hey, Trusty, the old janitor here. You know, that first day we met, he saw me writing some, well, not-so-nice things about you on a crossword puzzle, and a, he must have sent the note. I don't know if I should hate him or kiss him square on the mouth. I'd probably just hate him. Who did you say? You know, trusty, the old janitor, about uh, yay high, medium build, gray hair, always giving annoying advice. I don't know how to tell you this, Tommy, but we don't have anybody on the janitorial staff who's older than 30, let alone with gray hair and goes by the name of Trusty. Hey, I see you found the baby Jesus. Let me put him back in the manger. Z can take care of it tomorrow. <laughs> no, Mark. He's not going back. He was a gift. was the gift, wasn't he? Best gift. Come on, Karen. Let's go home. In Matthew 18, at the very beginning of the chapters, I shared it's probably the most intensive teaching in all of Scripture about reconciliation and forgiveness. But it starts out, it starts out in chapter 18, though, with an interesting discussion about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. It was all about pride. And then Jesus said this. He says, Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. See, the reason that so often we cannot forgive is because we have not experienced God's forgiveness ourselves. So often the reason that we simply don't go through the process of Asking for forgiveness is because we have this pride issue. 
And the example that God gave to us, the example of Jesus Christ coming at Christmas, was not about a king on a mighty horse coming and riding to save us. It was about a baby who was, came very humbly in a manger. And the Bible itself says that Jesus humbled himself even to death upon a cross to give us that gift which we deserve the least but needed the most. He wants us to extend that gift to others if we've already accepted that gift. But if we've never accepted that gift, that's our first step. To understand God wants us to repent and then he wants us to believe in faith. That's how we unwrap the gift that God has offered to all of us. The gift of forgiveness. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.